Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. My name is Benjamin Ensor. In today's episode, we're looking into all things cloud-based banking. Cloud-based platforms have the potential to revolutionize the banking sector as we know it. But the findings of our latest report with Encino suggest that there's still a long way to go. So what is cloud-based banking? Why do banks need to embrace it? And what are the challenges and opportunities? We'll get to grips with all this in today's podcast. But before we start, we just want to tell you about some of the things we're working on here at 11FS and a quick word from our sponsors. Temenos is a world leader in banking software, helping over 3,000 banks deliver outstanding banking experiences to more than 1.2 billion people. Scale 2021 is Temenos's dedicated, free-to-attend virtual developer event. It includes customer presentations, product demos, roadmap sessions, as well as opportunities for you to speak with Temenos experts. You'll also hear insights from industry leaders on current technology trends and how they impact banking today. Whether you're a developer, consultant, or business user, discover the latest in banking technology with Temenos software. Search Temenos Scale 2021 to find out more. Hey folks, I'm David Breer, CEO here at 11FS. I'll be speaking at SASA's Innovation Summit on the 9th of November, where I'll be delivering an exclusive keynote on how banking can unlock innovation in the banking battlefield. The Innovation Summit is your opportunity to be inspired, raise questions and discuss solutions with select banking industry peers and experts on the most pressing issues for you as a leader and decision maker in the industry. This is an exclusive live event aimed at senior executives. The format is intimate and you won't be able to catch this one on demand. So for your chance to address your strategic challenges, unlock the future of your business and make connections, join me at the Innovation Summit hosted by SAS. See you there. Let's get started. As always, I'm not alone, but I'm joined by a panel of expert guests who can shed some light on cloud-based banking. Making her FinTech Insider debut, we have Sim Rai, Senior Customer Strategist here at 11FS. Sim, thank you so much for joining us. We're here today to discuss the findings of your report for 11FS and Encino. Can you give us a, a brief summary of how the report came about? Hello, hello. Yeah, really good to be here. Yeah, so we've been working with Encino on this report to really understand the use of cloud within banking. So that meant I spoke to a few people in the industry, um, consulted previous research and reports to kind of form this view on cloud-based banking. Thank you. Also making their FinTech Insider debut, we're joined by Emmanuel Lambert, Digital Transformation Officer at CKV in Belgium. Emmanuel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. No, it's our pleasure. Can you give our listeners a quick overview of uh, what your role is at CKV? Yeah, I've been uh, joining CKV in 2019 as a digital transformation officer. And CKV is a niche bank based in Belgium and active in both Belgium and France in uh, lending to a niche market and also, um, of course, funding through deposit products. And um, we have been running the bank on in-house development software for the past 25 years until 2019, when it was decided by the board to launch a strategic program to migrate to commercially sourced software. And uh, we have been executing on that program for the past three years successfully, establishing uh, both Encino and MBank as the two pillars of our digital transformation. 
Excellent. Welcome. And we look forward to hearing more as we as we go through. And finally, and making up our expert panel, we have Mo Fadai, Head of Technology Change and Transformation at Recognize Bank, which is the UK's newest um, bank, having launched only a, f- a few months ago. Mo, welcome. What should we know about you and your role at Recognize Bank? Hi, hi, Benjamin. Uh, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, so, my role is uh, technology change and transformation, as you've uh, uh, kindly kindly just said there. Um, but so, my day to day would involve maintenance uh, and uh, ensuring that our end users and and customers are getting the benefits out of our uh, architecture and our platform that we've implemented. But also looking at strategic developments and how technologies. Uh, in, in in cloud architecture is evolving uh, and you know uh, looking at strategic developments for the bank for the next uh, one to three years let's say as you've you know uh, kindly pointed out uh, recognize is uh, the newest um, bank in the UK we've just been licensed by the regulator uh, as a commercial bank and we're focusing on uh, targeting small to medium enterprises and um, their their needs in the market. We feel as though SMEs have been uh, let down uh, a little bit by some of the bigger banks. Uh, and, and bringing back to the topic of conversation, uh, why, why this could be is because of their struggles with legacy uh, IT systems. So we, uh, our proposition is very unique. We're, we're, we're determined to service the SMEs who uh, have been, say, underserved by uh, some of your other bigger banks. Uh, and how we're doing that is bringing uh, a, a one-to-one relationship uh, banking approach, bringing that back into uh, SME banking with, uh, you know, uh, the power of technology uh, enhancing uh, uh, that customer journey. Thank you. And welcome. Uh, so it's great to have all, all three of you on board. So let's get started. So let's start by looking at cloud-based banking and cloud-based systems as they stand stand today in 2021. Um Sim, perhaps we can start with you with a, with a simple question. What's really meant by cloud-based banking? So I think it definitely makes sense to start with defining cloud computing, because that's essentially what it's based on. So essentially, cloud computing is computing that uses data stored on an external server accessed by the internet. So cloud-based banking is using cloud computing in the financial services sector. And it's really a model that allows banks and financial institutions to manage core banking systems and applications in the cloud. And with that, of course, you have migration of the core and non-core systems, um, but we can get into that later. Okay, but it's it's particularly maybe moving some of the core systems or some of the transactional systems into the cloud rather than, let's say, um, some other sort of maybe human resource type systems or, or other systems that you might have within a bank. It's, it's particularly the, the, the core systems, yes? Yes, in core banking, okay. yeah. Uh, do you two gentlemen agree with that as the sort of definition? Yeah, absolutely. And I would like to mention also that use of cloud computing and cloud-based applications has been very common in many industries for the past uh, 10 years. In fact, many industries use cloud computing as in what we call a hybrid model, whereby they have some critical application infrastructure still on-premise in their own IT infrastructure um, environment, but they use also cloud computing complementary to that. For example, in e-commerce, during peak periods, cloud computing is typically used to scale up the capacity of the applications for example, on Black Friday or during Christmas uh, holidays, a lot of 
traffic is generated, which otherwise during the year is not uh, commonly seen. And then companies in e-commerce use the cloud computing infrastructure to scale up and expand their uh, IT infrastructure and application capacity during these peak periods. Also, mostly smaller companies, uh, SMEs or uh, mid-sized companies, have been using cloud-based applications really as um, a critical part of their infrastructure uh, and application landscape on which they solely rely. So they don't have any more in-house um, hosted applications anymore, but they rely on applications like, for example, Salesforce, um, Office 365, we all know about, uh, which is commonly used to perform critical services and tasks in their day-to-day -day IT operations. In banking, people have been more conservative, but I think Sim will come back to that topic later. Yes, I think we will. Um, you make an interesting point about sort of Black Friday and, and peaks in demand in, in retail that you obviously get. Do you do you see those same kind of peaks in, in demand in banking where you, you need a sort of surge capacity? Do you see that in commercial banking, retail banking? Obviously, you get it in investment banking when you get you know peaks in the stock market. Um, do, do you see a lot of surges in demand? Well, in, in our local uh, context of CKV, we are a small bank, a niche bank. We don't have that situation, but uh, I'm quite confident that in large retail banks, uh, there is, for example, peaks in uh, traffic, uh, especially on, for example, uh, payments transactions. In payment transactions, it's, it's really important and critical that you can scale up to process payments uh, to uh, higher in higher volumes during certain times uh, of the year. Uh, absolutely, that will happen. Or, for example, when uh, retail banks launch mobile applications, uh, the use of those mobile applications can increase during certain periods of the year, and then the mobile application never operates standalone. It always talks to a server, what we call in, in terminology of IT, the backend. Yeah? And the backend typically these days is more and more hosted in the cloud for reasons that the reliability and scalability uh, can be much higher if properly uh, designed and implemented. Very interesting. Mo, I'd like to come to you with it with the next with the next question because you were talking earlier about um, some of the challenges that SMEs have sometimes had with the banking system of of getting the kind of service and the needs you know getting their needs serviced um, effectively. Do you think the to the to the end customers of, of cloud-based banking systems, whether they're individuals or businesses, do they see noticeable differences with cloud-based banking compared with using traditional systems? I mean, are the benefits just for the banks or, or do the customers see any differences? Um, I, I, I definitely think that the difference is, is, is very noticeable to the customer purely because of um, the increased efficiency, uh, the flexibility that cloud-based systems offer uh, and uh, and you know how how quickly we can develop improvements within the customer journey for our customers. So um, it's and and you know at, at recognize what what we what we tend to do and our, our main focus is to give the SME uh, customers uh, uh, their voice back in banking. So um, our approach is always, you know, a, a hybrid model of listening to the customer, understanding their needs in, and frustrations within that journey that they've, 
potentially had previously uh, with, with some of the some of the larger banks and how we can improve that through through technology. So that's that's definitely a motto that we stand by here at Recognize. Sim, let me come to you on this question as well. I mean, have you have you have you seen or, or through the research you've done come across you know, real differences that customers can see in terms of uh, you know I don't know the frequency of updating of transactions or um, have you seen other other differences that customers notice? Yeah, I think the noticeable to consumers is is obvious, is absolute, but not in the sense that, oh, this bank gives me a great experience and I love this bank because they're using the cloud. No, so customers don't care or know about what goes on behind the scenes, you know, the back end. But it's really about how that proposition and that experience comes across to the customer front end. So I think they'll absolutely know the difference in terms of, you know, newer and richer propositions or a faster and seamless uh, customer experience journey. So, you know, Monzo released um, a really cool feature a few years ago, like the freeze your card feature. Feature. That wasn't a thing before. So that really wowed customers. So I think they'll definitely know the difference in terms of what value the cloud enables the banks to create for them, but not necessarily what goes on behind the scenes. The baseline expectation of the customers, I would say, is extremely high because they are used to apps like Facebook, Salesforce, um, uh, Instagram, TikTok, which have always been hosted in cloud-based environments. So people are used, consumers are used to very high responsiveness, very high availability, very high stability. So I would say reaching that baseline expectation is for retail banks who interact with end customers. It's not considered to be um, a great job. It's considered to be a basic expectation that if you go below that, although the expectation is so high, if you go below that, it's immediately and very quickly perceived as subpar performance. It's almost impossible to deliver this experience if you don't rely on cloud-based um, environments. Because if you have to reach the same performance, reliability, scalability by infrastructure, which the bank creates all by its own, then you have to basically come with all this competence, which these big cloud providers uh, offer as a service. You have to get this competence in-house and try to match it by offering your own IT service, IT infrastructure services to your own applications. Really, really interesting. So you're saying it's essentially it's becoming a necessity to, to compete, to stay competitive and to meet customers' expectations. Yeah. I think definitely when you interact with consumers, it's becoming a necessity in maybe B2B yeah. interactions. People can still tolerate uh, another level of reliability uh, when there is an interruption people can still uh, understand that it's temporary thing but when you interact with consumers and with with retail customers it's the baseline expectation is very high given given what mo has been saying about small business customers i'm not sure he completely agrees with you on that but, but the small <laughs> business customers will put up with it <laughs> Um, Mo, I've got a different question for you. Um, but I noticed both you and Emmanuel have the word transformation in your job titles. Um, how, how important is cloud-based banking to that sort of remit of, of, of transforming the banks, of, of, of delivering truly digital um, banking to customers? Is, could you do this without cloud? Um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm agreeing there with Emmanuel that you know it'd be very difficult to offer that reliability um, and flexible service that we can we can have for our customers um, if it wasn't for cloud-based banking. So as part of my day-to-day, -day, uh, and as I said before, uh, we 
our foundation here at Recognize has has been and our number one motto is cloud first. So uh, the technology that we've implemented is, um, uh, you know, uh, all all cloud uh, through and through from from the point of uh, customer origination all the way through down to our our regulatory reporting. And it's allowed us to uh, introduce uh, or, or launch to market, if you like, at uh, at a rapid pace. You know, we're we're a lot faster um, in, in delivery. You know, other benefits that we've we've seen with with cloud based technology is you know um, uh, a reducing cost and implementation timelines, and again coming back to that increased efficiency uh, for for our customers. I think. That's a good point. It sort of turned turned towards the, the the report that we published within Sino on why banks, you know, should be using cloud based banking. Um, Sim, let's come back to you as the as the report's uh, lead lead author. What are the main takeaways um, from from the research that that you did? So I think the key takeaway for banks and financial institutions is that using cloud based banking is a need. It's not an if, you know, for banks to stay relevant and competitive. So there are so many reasons why, but um, I would say the two most important are, firstly, on-prem technology is no longer fit for purpose. You know, it costs banks so much to maintain. um, It's liable to so much downtime. But the key thing is, is that it doesn't allow banks to innovate. So it doesn't allow banks to be agile, to keep up with changing customer needs. And The important point is that it prevents banks from buying from a new generation of these specialist providers. And this often drowns out the smaller best-in-class providers. And what that really means is banks miss out on the mix of partners that could improve their products and reduce their costs. You know, they don't get to benefit from that. And I think the second reason um, is that when it comes to the debate versus, you know, buy versus build, banks should buy existing best-in-class solutions instead of building them from scratch. Buying just makes sense. Not only is it more cost-efficient, but better solutions already exist out there. So I think it'd be a waste of time to try and replicate that. And there are so many other benefits, like, you know, you can get to market faster and you can customize your solutions on top of that. So I think those are the key takeaways from that report. But there'll be lots of bankers listening and thinking, well, yes, this is all very well, but replacing our core systems is like open heart surgery. And, you know, this is hugely risky. You know, there are so many banks that I think we can all think of, um, you know, like TSB in the UK, for example, that have had massive problems trying to switch from one set of core banking systems to another. Um, you know, why why risk it? You know, what, why should why should banks address this now? I mean, why not just stick with the, the legacy systems if they're not broken? I think it's mainly because, um, you know, some of the opportunities that um, cloud-based banking will, you know, create for um, uh, f- for for those who implement it are, are endless. If you, if you assess the customer behavior uh, today compared to, say, five years ago, you're going to have a different uh, different answer, right? So let's take, for example, um, and coming back and bringing it back to SME customers being the backbone of the UK economy. Um, uh, let's take COVID as a prime example. Um, the behavior of, of those customers and the needs of those customers would have been very, very different in throughout the pandemic. So how do you, how do you uh, aligned to that opportunity that the customers uh, uh, are requesting, uh, I think it's it comes back to the benefits of cloud, uh, flexibility, scalability, and increasing that efficiency, uh, speed of delivery. Uh, 
um, uh, to to giving the customers the solutions that they want, those opportunities are not going to be um, uh, accessible by uh, some of the legacy platforms that, that, that the larger players will have. Very interesting. Emmanuel, you were talking earlier about um, how the banks have been behind other industries in adoption of um, other cloud-based systems, you know, even if it down to sort of Office 365 and so on. How, how far behind do you think banks um, elsewhere in Europe or, you know, other, other banks that, that you've seen are in terms of sort of modernizing their infrastructure? I mean, obviously, you, you've, bitten the bullet at, you've bitten the bullet at CKV and, and, and embraced it. How far behind do you think some of the other banks are? Uh, I think most of the banks are still in the phase of yeah, learning to know what cloud-based computing could mean for them uh, in the sense that you have to also make a distinction between cloud computing as server capacity in the cloud so that they use capacity in the cloud to deploy their own applications and maintain it completely themselves, which I think for many banks is already quite a familiar uh, setup to have this kind of hybrid infrastructure. And on the other hand, something like Encino, where you don't really put your infrastructure in the cloud and let it be hosted and run by an external provider, but where you really use application components like Encino on infrastructure that is virtually an abstraction for you. And you use those application components as part of your customer-facing or back-office-facing application uh, landscape. So I think in the first one, most banks have already familiarity with it. In the second one, what we call SaaS, software as a service, so using application components in the cloud and not caring about the underlying infrastructure, the underlying upgrades, uh, and so on and so on. Most banks are still very unfamiliar with that and are experimenting with it. And I would like to say that many banks are, of course, very concerned about security, about losing control of their critical applications. To some extent, that's legitimate concern. On the other hand, you have to put against that uh, the fact that it becomes more and more apparent that with all these applications that they have developed or control themselves, it's become clear that the agility, the flexibility that you have with such a setup is a lot smaller, is not as good as you want, as what you want to have today to meet the customer expectations. So you need to have more flexibility to adopt your application behavior quickly. You need to have more flexibility to integrate and implement new technologies quicker, for example, digital signature, specific types of authentication, uh, delivery of digital documents, that kind of stuff which is commonly available in cloud-based applications, but which is much harder to integrate and implement in an application stack that you control and maintain yourself in-house. And a lot of people also overlook that when you develop something yourself, like we did at CKV for 25 years, when you completely build software yourself, the cost of building it is one thing. But that same cost is repeated every five years simply in maintaining what you have built. So the total cost of ownership of building something yourself over the course of 10, 15, 20 years is much, much higher than when you pay a subscription fee to a specialized player 
that will provide you with application components that you can use and integrate. And that's uh, an understanding that yeah, many of the banks today uh, still have to acquire. That's a really interesting point. Sorry, Mo, Mo go ahead. Yeah. No, so I think just one point to add there to Emmanuel's uh, great summary. Uh, I think technology and, and culture go hand in hand. Um, it, you, what you'll find is um, with um, it, technology needs to be um, a part of the culture that the company um, uh, is selling to its employees as well as its its customers. So, you know, uh, being comfortable to to e-sign for example uh, in, in your example Emmanuel um, from depending on on who the customer is listening to the customer's feedback around the comfort of e-signature or or adapting and adopting new technology just using e-signature as an example there um, is is something that you know um, you're right we're start we're still in the early stages and it's where you see great success and where recognize has been really successful is that we embed uh, cloud uh, technology uh, and and you know our our, our key principles in technology uh, throughout our culture. It's also a lot about control. I think in many large banks there is a culture of control and a lot of politics that there are what I call holy castles where people have big walls around their castle that they have built, and it's very difficult to change your company culture into a culture like uh, Mo describes of. Uh, yeah, flexibility, agility, innovation. So that's mm. why I think recognize starting from scratch and building a new model from scratch, uh, it will allow them to yeah to evolve much more. Yeah, I think it's definitely easier, but it 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 does it does come with its challenges as well because you know as you grow, you are you're attracting new talent talent from from different environments uh, potentially coming from bigger banks, and it's it's been it's been an interesting journey. But yeah, if you if 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 the principles are set for you know with technology and culture uh, are aligned it's you know the, the the opportunity and the potential is endless and it's always about taking feedback not just uh, from end users but always you know the customer as well the customer feedback is very important to us mo you've you've very nicely set up our next section because in our next section we're going to talk about some of the challenges so <laughs> let's that's brilliant so we're just going to take a quick pause here and then we'll be back very shortly Customers expect more from their digital experience, and their personal finance is no exception. BlueShift empowers fintechs and financial institutions to create secure customer profiles and intentional, relevant experiences for customers. Whether in-app, on-site, in-branch, or anywhere else, BlueShift's Smart Hub CDP helps brands like LendingTree and ClearScore turn data into personalized experiences that increase retention, satisfaction, and revenue. Learn more about BlueShift at blueshift.com forward slash 11FS. There is a better way to hire internationally, and it starts with Deal. Everything from contract creation, record keeping, payments, and full-time employment is all in one place for teams all over the world. Companies anywhere can hire compliantly everywhere thanks to Deal. It's payroll and compliance built for today's worldwide workforce. To learn more, visit letsdeal forward slash 11FS. That's letsdeal, D-E-E-L, dot com forward slash 11fs and redeem an exclusive offer of three months free when you hire a contractor and 20% for your first year when you hire an employee. 
So having looked at why banks should be moving to cloud-based infrastructure, let's delve into some of the challenges which are currently stopping other banks from, from doing so. Um, Sam, I'd like to start with you. You've spoken to many people in the sector for this research that you did. Um, what did you find are some of the biggest blockers stopping banks from making the shift to, to the cloud for more of their systems? Just touching on what Emmanuel and Moja said, I think the key and strongest blocker is both mindset and culture. So, you know, sticking to the status quo and the way, the current way of doing things. So IT and ops staff can be in their comfort zone and in their remit of operating systems. And so when you have the onset of new cloud technology, staff can become nervous about the future of their role and therefore reluctant to adopt these new technologies and maybe even challenge them. So within banks as well, there's a lot of political interest, like Emmanuel um, mentioned. And so you have a lot of political interest in not moving workloads or functions to new systems, there tends to be a lot of, um, I'd say, scepticism with people who reason from a more, let's say, self-interested perspective rather than an open, objective evaluation of all the factors. I'd say that's that's the key blocker. I liked, Emmanuel, I liked your, example, your, your uh, language of talking about sort of people building castles and moats and people trying to sort of protect, you know, their, their comfort zone and where, where, they're, where they're comfortable. How did how did you sort of tackle that at CKV? How did you get people to sort of embrace the change? Well, for us, it was really a very strategic choice that uh, it was necessary for the company to be able to grow and evolve its business to have new IT systems that allowed us to open up our data to external parties like credit brokers, like end customers, uh, like uh, real estate valuators. Um, uh, also speed up the credit approval process by having a fully digital process because we had been feeling the business impact of lacking that in the years 2016 to 2019. So it was really a matter of yeah strategic choice uh, to make the company survive over the next 20 years. So the business was still going quite well, but it was becoming very obvious if there was no evolution in the five years uh, in, the, in the current decade that there would be a, a critical problem uh, arising. So all the people understood this uh, because there had also been a couple of less successful attempts in the past that it was a couple of minutes before 12 and we needed to move forward. And basically because we are quite a small bank, uh, we still have a very informal culture and people had been uh, becoming very excited uh, when they were exposed to different uh, suppliers of software when they were seeing the capabilities and not only of Encino but other competitors on the market also that it was very obvious that um, using modern technologies would offer several benefits for, for our business model and uh, so that was really a driver, a catalyst in, in shaping the eagerness of people to, to move forward. On the other hand it's very common when you expose people to change uh, apart from early adopters and uh, apart from people who are uh, excited by this technology, there are also people who get a reaction of uh, being afraid of change, of being um, reluctant to change. And the key is to really involve those people also very closely, even though they are skepticists, even though they uh, express a lot of uh, concerns. It's important to go in an in interaction with these people, not to avoid them. Uh, and really uh, try to expose them to what it will mean uh, very practically for them in their day-to-day -day job. 
uh, although they may not be convinced during the first couple of interactions, when they see other people then moving forward, they tend to go along. Just, just to build on that, uh, Emmanuel, we, we actually recognise, we, so we take it very seriously in terms of, so you do, I completely agree with you that you have, uh, uh, you know, with any change, you have uh, a set of users uh, that are always a bit more positive, a bit more receptive, and, and some that are reluctant to, to accepting the change. So there's different ways that we've chosen to tackle this, but because, it, uh, you know, our... our we're very proud of sort of the technology that we've got implemented and, and how it's growing for Recognize. Um, in order to maintain the success, we um, we make sure to involve the business um, up front and, and, and uh, very early on. So they're able to see the benefits of, you know, how their process can be improved and how, you know, their day-to-day operations can be, uh, you know, a lot more streamlined uh, with what we're offering. Uh, and we have dedicated members of uh, of, of all, all teams who are who partner with technology um, uh, through through our sprint cycles, through our agile methodology, where they join forces with technology to to push that, um, uh, if you like, vision uh, out, out to the uh, to the rest of the team. I'd like to move on to a couple of other topics very quickly. Um, what about regulation? Has has the regulatory environment changed is that has that helped banks em- embrace the cloud more more easily well when we when we started in 2019 the belgian regulators still considered cloud-based computing as outsourcing and when you do outsourcing not just outsourcing of a commodity thing but they consider it outsourcing of a critical um, business process if you do something in the cloud it's considered outsourcing of critical business processes and you need to do all kind of risk assessments and uh, uh, impact um, reports on what it will mean, how you will ensure business continuity, how you would deal with uh, possible risks, and so on and so on. And that could also be a blocker for banks to start moving uh, functionality into the cloud. Today in Belgium, it has changed. They, the regulator has removed this um, statement from their workbooks, I would say. And they have also embraced cloud computing and banks don't have to go through special assessments anymore when they move workloads uh, in the cloud. And I think we've seen regulators elsewhere in the world sort of changing their ideas and, and becoming more embracing of cloud as well, haven't we? Uh, I, I always make uh, the, the link to what happened in the second part of the Industrial Revolution when uh, many industrial companies, they produced their own electricity. They had their own diesel generators or uh, pr- production units for electricity because they were thinking that taking electricity from the grid was not reliable. Okay, that happened also in IT. Old companies had their own servers and they were doing everything in house because it had to be reliable. Today, of course, when you take um, electricity from the grid, in most countries, in most uh, contexts, it is extremely reliable. And you, if you have super critical things that cannot allow for electricity to drop for for a couple of minutes or, or hours, then you can have something like uh, power units that will help you. But most common things rely on electricity from the grid and there is nobody who takes a minute of doubt around uh, should we do that or should we put an, our own diesel generator uh, in front of our house. So the same is true with, with cloud computing. It is becoming very, very common 
and banks due to the mainstream cultures that they have of being more conservative, about being more concerned about security, control, etc. They are more or less at the end of the train. But I'm very confident that this shift will also happen for them. So it's about thinking carefully about what are your sources of competitive advantage. Um, I'm interested, you just mentioned uh, security. Uh, Sim, I, I remember hearing you know, sort of various people complaining about security or worrying about security of cloud-based banking systems. Do you think security fears have been an important factor sort of holding some banks back? Are, are those security fears justified or is that just a misconception? So... I would say definitely there was some truth to this a few years ago, but I would say nowadays it's more of a misconception. So misconception, sorry. So banks do worry because, you know, they're giving their stuff to someone else. They're giving their customer data to someone else. And it's this concept of outsourcing that worries them. So I'm going to use the the flying analogy. You know, people are very scared to fly. Some people are very scared to fly more than driving in their own car, but they're much more likely to die in their own car as opposed to flying. So it's just about, you know, people trust themselves more than they trust other people. So I say it's a misconception because cloud vendors have invested substantially to meet regulatory security standards and comply with banking regulations. So that shared relationship model that comes with using cloud-based solutions is less risky and less costly on the bank side. So with the cloud, security is much more likely to be stronger um, more sophisticated, more resilient than most banks could actually replicate alone. So let's 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 move on and let's um, sort of round things off by thinking about what's what's coming next um, for for cloud-based banking. And I know um, trying to sort of look into a crystal ball and predict the future is hard. Um, but what what do we think is going to come is coming next? With I think everyone saw this sort of deal that uh, J.P. Morgan Chase did um, to uh, I'm going to get this wrong. I think it was a thought machine to. to uh, shift to some cloud-based banking. Do we think we're going to see other big established banks um, embracing cloud? What, what do you what do you think is going to happen next? Maybe Mo, let's go to go to you first. Um, what, what do you think needs to happen next, or will happen next? I think um, it, it, it's not if it's it's when uh, that you know um, the the evolution of cloud is is exponential. It's it. You know, we can't really predict how uh, how uh, how fast uh, the, with the pace that it's moving. And if you if you look at, for example, in in the past two to three years, I, I mean, I can't. I've lost count of how many tech houses have come out as, as as unicorns because of their offerings. And you know, there's constantly new ideas and new 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 innovative thinking within um, uh, uh, fintechs and cloud based banking. So. I think the possibilities are endless, and I think it's not if um, uh, you know uh, we, uh, uh, the uh, the bigger banks or you know uh, uh, partners who are still using uh, legacy systems uh, are going to move over. It's it's about when because uh, they're they're at risk of you know uh, being left behind. If you ask me, thank you, Emmanuel. What do you what do you want to what do you think will happen next, and what do you want to see next? I think a lot of banks have invested for a very long time in their legacy systems and they are typically also very intertwined. So what you see in those legacy systems is that literally tens and tens of arrows with data flowing from one application to another back and forth and it's become a real very complex monolithic set of applications that are tightly um, integrated. 
And so many of these banks struggle to what I think is necessary to be able to move to cloud-based uh, applications is to carve out some of that functionality and say, okay, this piece of functionality, we will put it in the cloud in a completely new implementation so that we can leverage some benefits for our customers, for our business. And then you need to let that cloud-based application integrate again, have data flowing back and forth with the other systems in the old landscape. And that is, that is really an, a very big challenge, which I've also heard from yeah, other banks in, in Belgium that inhibits them from experimenting with cloud-based applications. So what you will see happening, I think, is that new banks, which start from scratch, like Recognize, uh, they can really benefit to maximum extent from all these trends and technologies. And larger banks, they will struggle, but they may start maybe spin-offs for specific business niches or new product lines where they allow these spin-off businesses to start from scratch with very innovative technologies. Can I just latch on to that point there? Because it's very it's very true um, where, where you see, you know, the focusing on a niche and a niche offering will is sort of how we can we can really start to reshape um, how the how the banking has been done within within a specific sector. So, for example, retail and taking, for example, recognize uh, really reshaping um, SME banking. It, 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 you know, when you have that niche focus um, and build on that, I think it's possible. I think if you know uh, for for some of the bigger banks, it, it's not going to be something that happens overnight. For so sure. It's a really big challenge for the, the big established banks. And, you know, like any really difficult problem, if you leave it festering, it doesn't get any easier, does it? And I think there's a there's a danger that some of the big banks um, yeah. leave it too long. Sim, perhaps you can sort of wrap us up by uh, just if we come, we started with your report, perhaps we can come back to the report that you, you've done with en- Encino. Um, who, who, who did you write the report for? Who should who should be reading it? And what are the what are the lessons um, that it contains? So really, I think, you know, CEOs, business leaders, anybody who doesn't really work in tech departments, but relies on tech departments like product owners or heads of business lines, the report is really for them. And some of the key lessons that they should take from the report is obviously all the benefits of cloud. But more importantly, cloud is non-negotiable. They should be using the cloud. And it's not a matter of, you know, should we or should we not? It's yeah, it's non-negotiable. So it's it's when not if, and it's really a question of why haven't you got started already? Um, any last tips, um, Emmanuel or Mo, on where to start? I think it's very important that if you start a project uh, to move application functionality to the cloud, or if you start something new, that you define your scope very very well and keep it very limited in the beginning. So I always tend to talk about minimum viable product. I think that's extremely important because if you start implementing and moving through such a project, you will get many requests for additional features, doing things differently, doing things uh, more uh, uh, broader, etc., etc. It's important to cut off, I would say, 90% of these requests um, and try to go live with something which can be used in uh, a short timeline so that people can start using this application and then they will much better understand what it is about. They will have hands-on exposure. 
they will have lived through the application. And then when you have something that is live, when something functions, it's much easier to add on top of that additional features, uh, change requests, improvements, etc. If you make it a monster project that grows and grows and grows, uh, you tend to risk um, delaying it further. You tend to risk making quality trade-offs, which will negatively impact the user experience, and you will also have cost overruns. So that's definitely an advice. And it's not an easy thing to do, but in my experience, it's always been a, a key success factor. When we went live with Encino, it, was, it took a project of about one year. We went live after one year, and literally the day that we went live, we had a backlog of improvement requests that kept us busy for another nine months. <laughs> and had we taken on all that workload in the initial project, I'm sure we would not have been live after three years. I agree with that uh, approach there, uh, to be honest, um, Emmanuel. Yeah, and just, just to add uh, my two cents is that the MVP is critical and, and you know, avoiding any scope creep from your from your MVP following that Moscow uh, approach uh, that, that Scrum teaches us. So, you know, what, what we must have uh, is, is what we'll develop for, for, for phase one. And then we, we, we deliver in increments. So your, your methodology is key and having that lean agile team uh, put together, you know, Scrum methodologies worked very well for us. And, and that's, that's one thing that I, I'd throw in and say, you know, if, if you're, if you're looking at cloud technology, like you said, you can have a, a, a backlog that's as long as your arm, but it's very important to focus on that MVP uh, delivery and then build in increments. Brilliant. I love the digital, um, digital thinking from, from, from you guys. Thank you. So that wraps up today's um, discussion. Thank you all so much for joining me, Sim, Mo, Emmanuel. Um, where can people find out more about you and your companies? Uh, let's start with you, Mo. Uh, yeah, so recognise obviously being the newest SME bank in the UK. Uh, we've got hubs in uh, Manchester, the Midlands, and our, and our biggest hub being in London, uh, right next to the Bank of England. We're servicing SMEs, so we really want to push that vision out there and say, you know, we are we're here and we're back to you know service SMEs better than they've experienced with with some of the bigger banks if you know you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn and talk to me about my experiences uh, with Encino and some of the other cloud platforms that we're working with I'm 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 available on LinkedIn and and um you know uh, recognize as active on LinkedIn and and all social media so you you'll be will be very easy to find I'm sure okay Emmanuel, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so CKV is a niche bank in Belgium. We help people with the temporary financial problems who have, uh, let's say, uh, quite a couple of uh, real estate assets but uh, have temporary liquidity problems. And in France, we have a similar business where we have people with uh, high solvability but with liquidity problems that want to do real estate projects. So. For most of your uh, UK-based uh, audience, maybe it will not be of a lot of interest, but feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and I will be glad to answer any questions that you have on cloud-based uh, banking and our experience with Infino or MBank. And uh, I'm always eager to learn and interact with uh, people from the industry. Emmanuel, we have listeners in a remarkably large number of countries in the world. The last time we counted, I think it was 186, which shocked us. Um, but the audience is not just a British, <laughs> uh, a British one. 
Sim, where can people find out more about you and read the full report? So um, people can find me on LinkedIn and they can also email me at sim.rai at 11fs.com. The report will be on the 11fs website and our social media pages. So do check out our LinkedIn posts um, to come. And you can find me, Benjamin Ensor, on LinkedIn and on 11fs.com. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to our podcast. And don't forget to leave us a review because it helps us make it better and helps others find the show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or Fintech Insider or email podcasts at 11FS.com. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.